Welcome to the Kill Your Internet Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode number 58 of the Kill Your Internet Podcast presented by High Brew Coffee. With you, as always, is your boy, Colin. I'm on my own tonight, but realistically, this is a very, very, very special episode for me as well as the rest of the band. You know, we've been covering a lot of heavier topics on the podcast the last couple weeks. We had to. I mean, it was the number one thing going on. We were talking about the election a lot, but I figured we'd move on to something a little bit, you know, less heavy for this week to start off. And I thought I would welcome on two of our favorite human beings alive. Uh, I, I did this interview when I got to go down to Nashville two weeks ago to go write, and uh, I was working with two of my favorite people, Joe Costa and Trey Sasser. I've had Trace on the podcast before, but Trace is one of our producers. Uh, he was the first person to ever take a shot on us as a band. Uh, he signed us to an indie record deal. We were like right out of college. This was like five years ago. And uh, he was really the first person to show me the music industry and really help me dive in and figure my way through this. And I'll always love him for that. He's a very special person to me. And, uh, you know, we just wrote a bunch of songs together and he produced Monster. So he's very much in the Foxtrot fold and just a great guy. The other gentleman on today is uh, the man I call my dad, Mr. Joe Costa, just an all-time legend, a great engineer, studio maven down there in Nashville. He's worked with Ben Folds. He works for Ben Folds as an engineer, and uh, he's worked with Brendan Benson of, of the Rack and Tours with Jack White. He's worked with Kesha. He's even worked with William Shatner from Star Trek, and there's a great story in the podcast about that. But I'm, I'm not going to ramble about this. It's a long conversation we had after a bunch of margaritas at a Mexican place around the corner from the studio where we were recording at, and I'm just going to let it flow here. Uh, without any further ado, here's Mr. Joe Costa and Mr. Trey Sasser. It's Nashville week. It's a special episode. I'm out here with my Nashville Sherpas, the first two gentlemen who ever took a chance on the idiots from Philadelphia and uh, recorded them down here. Uh, to my left is Mr. Trace Sasser, uh, our produ- producer extraordinaire. Trace, how we doing, buddy? Awesome, Colin. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. That was a very official answer. Uh, and over here, I'm staring at him. He's my dad, Mr. Uh, Joe Costa. Joe, how are we, buddy? My long-lost son. How are you doing? Lost, dude. I've been here the whole time. Where the fuck you been? I don't know. <laughs> Not I, here. I gave tr- I gave Joe shit before this because he didn't walk me down the aisle at my wedding, and I'm I'm still upset about that. You want to you want to exonerate yourself? Or what do you want to do? No, man, you're good. <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you right now, this is so it's so weird to be here doing this because we've known each other now for five years. I've known you for maybe a little bit longer. Before I came down and recorded, I just met you out for a drink. Yep, we I did. Was, and we gotta say this is a COVID edition. This is the, oh yeah. Let me. So we're we're masking we're up. up. We're we're out here doing our our part. Uh, just to help. Well, everything's COVID edition of everything now. Well, that's fact of the matter. Everything we do is is reflective of the times. Uh, but we're out here. I got the mask on my chair right now, like a jerk off. Uh, guys, how was dinner? Uh, <laughs> the margaritas have now hit me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little sleepy. <laughs> Joe, Joe had the beer and a margarita. I had two margaritas. And Trace tried to take his to go like an asshole, thinking <laughs> this is New Orleans. <laughs> Oh, it did God. not work. Trace said, "Hey, can I have it to go cup?" And the guy was like, "No." And Trace was like, "Oh, well, I guess I tried." Like, I'm like, "It's not gonna happen, bro. It's, it's just not gonna happen." I was I mean, driving. He had the be- He had the beads and everything. Yeah, ready yeah. To go. <laughs> he thinks this shit's New Orleans. Let's try to be responsible. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, all right. So, what we get in your minivan while we have this to go cup? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <Is that right. laughs> this happens. Uh, all right. So yeah, we've been in the studio now for since one. What is it now? Like eight thirty. Yeah. We've made a song out of nothing, which is beautiful. Me and Trace have been writing the last two we days. We wrote a song from scratch. From scratch. Four hours ago. Beautiful. Uh, that's what we do. We've worked together now 
uh, on Roots, obviously our first record, and then the solo stuff, which is still yet to come out because I'm an asshole, and uh, now just on songwriting stuff. Uh, I, I start every episode with asking kind of how quarantine's been for everybody. So I feel like I've worked with Trace since, but Joe, how's quarantine been for you? Yeah, I don't know. I guess as good as it could be, right? Yeah. It's just like... Um yeah, it's like the days run into each other. Yeah, you know how it goes. <laughs> well, I asked you earlier. Have you been work? Have you still been working as much? Or is yeah, it- there's some stuff I've been able to do. Um, there's been a, a couple of projects, and um, you know, some stuff from home I can do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's just a crazy time. We talk so much on the podcast about the effect on musicians and, and not being able to play shows and and not being able to be together as much. But we don't even think about the engineers and the producers. And especially like the stage people, the people who work in the in the in right. the in the venues, but I, it's been interesting. I didn't even think about that until now. Because Trace, have you been producing as much realistically? No, not in twenty twenty. I mean, some stuff. But yeah, not like normal. No, no. And I, it, it 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 is weird. Smaller projects. It's just so crazy because I feel like most people are doing things from their bedroom. They're not going to studios. And personally, I hate that. I'm not a fan of the bedroom recording because I I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. So anything I do sounds like shit. But I think we're all ready to get back to doing what we do. You know, sure. it, who yeah. knows when it's going to be? I, I, I really like. We always speculate on when we can get back to playing shows. Nobody has a goddamn idea. Nobody knows. Mm. And uh, so I guess coming down here to write has been the first normal thing I've done in seven months. Mm. Like I miss. I was in L.A. right before quarantine started, and. Coming down, I come down here all the time. We've we've had an argument today about how many times I've been here, but I've been here quite a few times. Um, but I don't know. Like looking at it, do you feel like you've been? This is a question I ask everybody too. Do you feel like you've listened to more music or listened to less music, like new stuff? Do you feel like you've been Me? more? Yeah. Um, I always try to listen to new music, and I think I've I've gotten more into older stuff that I used to listen to when I was in high school. Yeah. Like, going back and just going, like, what was so cool about that? Why did I like that? Like, Rush. I'm not a Rush fan at all. Yeah. And then I've just, one day I was just like, it was a week and I listened to Rush records. I'm like, why? I don't know. It's cool. And The Doors. How about for you, Joe? Joe, have you been listening to more new music or or, or, or have you been digging back into older stuff? I've been going back to older stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, Frank Zappa, obviously. It's It's been the, I mean. I go in my Frank Zappa modes, and and right now I'm in that mode. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I just go kind of go back and find stuff. It's funny. I was I was talking to uh, Kenny from AWOL Nation and Fitness. He's a, he's a dude from LA who I work with, and he put it as, it seems like we're all running to like our comfort zone, running to things that we're familiar with because right. everything around us is so unfamiliar. And I hadn't thought about it, and I haven't been digging into anything new realistically. I've been on all old shit, things that I feel comfortable with, and. Yeah. It also, as an as an artist, like is kind of weird because we're putting out so much new music, and I'm like, I don't know, if this is the right time necessarily, but we have to do it. But I, I've been finding more comfort and solace in like listening to Clapton. You always give me shit yeah. about Clapton. You're always, co- you were always when I first come down here. You're always like, you got a real Clapton thing going on. You like, I, I, I like Derek and the Dominoes. I like Derek and the Dominoes. Yeah, and that's that's when I got Clapton. Fair. I like when, I, when I heard that, I was like, I get it now. Listen to me. I'm not ever going to complain about the, a Clapton comparison. That's that's you know, no. that's what I fucking grew up on. But I don't know. Uh, I think you were I think you were complaining about playing a strat. Yeah, which is what I do now, actually. So that's kind of weird that I was complaining about it. But let's go into kind of personal history here. Uh, Joe, we'll start with you. Joe is an amazing engineer, producer, 
apparently a fucking drummer, which I did not know until today when he played on the on a, on a demo. But Joe's engineered for a lot of people. He works with Ben Folds. Uh, Joe, kind of go through like you're from Massachusetts. How'd you get here? Uh, I graduated from Berkeley College of Music. Didn't know um, that in 1993. Wow. And I moved straight here, um, and I started um, interning at a couple of studios. One one studio, they're, they're both still going. I, uh, Treasure Isle in Berry Hill, mm. House of David on Music Row, um, and House of David uh, is owned by David Briggs, who played with Elvis. Oh wow! So so that was cool in the in the 90s when I moved here. I, I worked on, I became like an intern, and then I started assisting sessions at both places, and then. Um, started engineering sessions and I had already done like I was a staff engineer at a studio in Boston before I moved here and I kind of just started again it was just like you know it's a new place I'll just start you know um you know interning and assisting and stuff like that and um but yeah so in a house of David it was cool because you know there was a lot of like legends that would just kind of come through or people that worked with legends or yeah. you know, a lot of old school people that would just kind of wander in so it was a pretty pretty great um experience wow and then i started working with a couple of engineers and i started engineering myself um more more sessions myself and uh was was doing that and then i got uh through a mutual friend i ended up meeting ben and then i ended up just kind of working with him a bunch for like probably since 2002 wow um and um so we did like a lot of records together maybe like 10 or something like just various like some of it was his most of it was his and then there were some artists, other artists that he produced that we we worked on those records too. And we were stuck at um, uh, parked. I shouldn't say stuck because it was kind of cool. It was very cool. It was uh, he he used to um, have RCA Studio A, so he was leasing out the space. It's definitely not stuck. That's pretty no, no, cool. It was, no, it was great. <laughs> it's and massive. That's yeah. why that's why I used the wrong word. Uh, yeah, but we you know I was kind of parked there for a while. I mean, like years and years because we were just always doing something. Yeah. And he was leasing out the space, but all the equipment was his. Um, so it was kind of like for a while, it was kind of like a little clubhouse basically. Right. You wow. know? That's a hell of a clubhouse. Yeah. And it was, and it was like, you know, it wasn't open, uh, as a commercial studio at that point for a while, quite a while. And, um, so that was, that was cool. It was just kind of like, you know, I remember there were certain days where I would just kind of be by myself and I would stand in the middle of the room and look around and go like, wow, all the stuff that's been done in here. And I, I'm just so fortunate to be able to, to working here you know wow. I, I think about a lot of times when you're recording for either us or other artists and i think about like because ben is obviously a very uh complex musical figure like he, he he does some crazy stuff like do you enjoy like the more complex stuff or do you like the more straightforward stuff as an engineer because there's obviously a lot you have to do to work with ben like like what's your process like going in between the two different things is there a difference no it's just you know it's just kind of what's what's happening that day right yeah. so it's like if it's complex, I mean, there's so many ways you can think of it. If it's complex musically, that's great, you know. Um, and then if it's complex session-wise, because there's a lot of things you got to try to make happen, you know, that's a whole other thing. Right. Um, but I like it all. I think it's really cool. I've I've been amazed since I've met you at the difference the different sides of the human brain because I could never ever lock into that. Like, I, like, I, like it's such a different side of your brain to be an engineer as opposed to like someone who writes like I, it's so technical i can't do it and i've always been blown you're fucking top tier you're you're unbelievable to me so i wanted to say that to your face because i don't know if i ever get to do that uh, i appreciate it 
And that's the last nice thing I'll say. Uh, <laughs> and the ball, say, the ball it, busting starts. Yes, now. now. I was gonna say, and Joe is musical. Yes. Which a lot of times, I've worked with engineers who are not musical. Agreed. Who don't have a thought in their head, other than beep pop boop boop. Let me put this mic here, and that's it. Yeah, it's more Joe math is than like, it is. Joe contributes to the song. He says, "Oh, what, blah blah blah." I mean, it's like. It's so great. I've always enjoyed working with engineers who can, while something's going on, say, like, I really dig that. Or, like, they give some feedback and also have something to contribute to the session. Right. Because there's a lot of engineers you work with who are just there pushing buttons. And then right. they are they are cleaning as they go. They're focused. But don't focus as much what's going on around them. Now, when I say focus on what's going on around them, I really mean Trace. So let's move over to Trace. <laughs> Trace, you obviously have an interesting story as well. Uh, first off, your name's not even Trace, so what am I even talking about here? It is, though. Uh, what's your name on your credit card? William. What's your number on your William credit card? Woodrow Sasser, <laughs> William Woodrow Sasser III and Trace in parentheses. I love that story. That's I love my birth certificate. I love that. You have a parentheses on your birth certificate. You meet my mom, you know why. All right, we will. Uh, let's go. So Trace obviously toured as a bass player for a long time and then wound up becoming a producer and a studio owner and just all-around badass dude. Trace, kind of how did you wind up doing what you're doing? Uh, necessity like <laughs> I mean coming off the road like for seven years straight and then saying like I took a small break and then going man I miss music yeah and then going like I'm in my 30s I'm not going to join a 19 year old band of course and but going I still want to play I still want to be involved with music so right. you become a you, you become a helper which is a producer which is a glue songwriter yeah whatever that that that's how and then and then just like sort of getting in where you fit in i still love playing bass live live music um but this is where i am what's our and i love it and what's our only deal professionally that if we only there's one arena that if we play he has to be involved in the show. Madison Square Garden. If we ever play Madison Square Garden, Trace has contractually obligated to play bass for that. I show. must be called out to play one song. He must. Uh, you're gonna kill Ken in the green room anyway, and just drag his <laughs> lifeless body off into a. Uh, don't fucking lie to me. I know what this is gonna be. I was I was thinking like Joe, like how we met. Yeah, I, I'm interested in that. How did you guys meet? I don't I don't remember, but I remember when you were working with Chris. Well, Joe, you work in for Joe Baldridge. Joe Baldridge, and you were in the Bomb Pops. Yeah, a band called the Bomb Pops. That's where I. I that's like where that I name. first met you. Yeah. Very poppy. So you guys knew each other when you were a musician. Like you were still in more of a musical role, and you were engineering. Yes. Well, in Nashville, not to go back to Nashville folk. Oh, we will be getting into Nashville. But a lot there were a few spots. There's the Iguana. There was Twelfth and Porter. That a lot of people would just congregate. Right. And you would just run into people. So Joe's wife, Sandra, like I knew her. I think I knew her before I knew Joe. Probably, yeah. And then yeah. we came, Will Hogue came into the first recorded session I ever did with Chris. What was Chris's last name? Do you remember, do you remember the, the guy? You, I don't know. Robinson. No. Tench. Uh, and we came in, and Joe was engineering the session. Ah. You remember that guy? He, and Fair Verona recorded there as well. I like oh, 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 Chris Parker at, Chris um, Parker. at um, it used to be the old October Studios, and it was IV Music. So I'd known Will Hogue about two days, and he was like, show up to the, can you come to this session? I show up, and there's Joe. And we're like, oh, 
Yeah, what's hey, up? Hey, see, see, when, when I, this... I thought you guys knew each other for a while before. before. No. Oh, okay. I, I, like a couple of days. When oh, okay. I, when I think about this story, I think about it as like Trace with a perm and you have like hair down to your back. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm like putting no, pictures. No, I didn't have this a perm. Like a movie My scene hair was longer. To where like. I had a lot. Actually, I'm, I'm quite. You could probably see quite <laughs> all. But I did have, uh, yeah, I had like super long did hair. Did you have a mullet at any point? Uh, in high school, yeah. Yes. I did too. I didn't know. You had a mullet? Oh, yeah. Oh man, you, you know what I had, man? I had really great shitty surfer hair. So this is like early two thousands. Think like Hollister surfers. I was fat with blonde hair from Northeast Philly. I thought I was the coolest motherfucker alive. And we look back at pictures, and like my wife literally is just like, "Yo, you were ugly, yo. You, I was bad. Like <laughs> you, uh, were ugly. you were ugly. That was not a good look." And I had Brianna Judge on the podcast last week. And I've known Bree. She's an amazing singer and songwriter from Philadelphia. I've known her since I was five. And I first thing we talked about on the podcast, I was like, Bree, we've known each other for mad long. She's like, yeah, I knew you when you had bleached tips, like bleached hair. And I was like, well, we all had bleached hair back then. It was the Eminem phase. And she was like, nah, but your shit was like bad. <laughs> like, and I was like, all right, well, I guess that's where we are now. But it is interesting because I did not know that's how you guys met. And I've known you guys for five years now. And it's, it's Well, what was kind of cool that I remember about that session is like, so the band, this studio had like a sunken part. The drummer, guitar player, and singer all went to th there. I was left by myself uh. in the control room with Joe and about five or six people that were just there that I, I assumed were business people. Yeah. They look very business. So there's me with my bass in front of all of them, like going, like trying I... to like ham it up. Do you guys. And it was cool that Joe was there because I was like, you know, he, he helped me get through. This is a studio question. Do you guys have a problem with extra people being in the studio? Joe, I think you meant like Joe. Yeah, I have a problem when Joe's here. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 can, I can answer it. I was gonna let him answer first. Yeah, it all depends. I mean, it's just like you know, if everyone's just quiet um, and not disruptive, I mean, yeah. it, that doesn't bother me because I start zoning. You Plus, are very zoned in. But the thing is, like, too, is like you know, if it's if it's a friend of or people that have to do with the artist or the producer or whatever, yeah, it's like. As long as everyone's cool, but if everyone's just kind of talking, yeah, like a low talk the whole time, like constant, 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 then it just all of a sudden it just gets completely distracting. But a lot of people, people who who've done this quite a bit, are pretty good usually about just kind of just being invisible, yeah. even though they're there. You know. How about you? I'm interested. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I know the answer now. I just think a lot of I think of a lot of different situations, like in this studio, for example. You have people all sitting back here. Everyone's talking. I hate it. It's loud. And, and you're trying to get a vocal, and you got nine people in here going, ah, 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 and I, somebody has to go, usually me, get quiet or get out. Oh, I'll, Just, just I'm like the, clear it out. I'm the biggest proponent of if you don't have a purpose, don't be there. Mm -hmm. Don't hang out. Don't bring people that I don't know. Don't bring people that don't serve a well, purpose. Well, that's got to be bad bad for an artist, especially if they're bringing people you don't know. Hate it. And you're like, well, now I feel self-conscious. Or... It's not only that. It's like I, I like to run, like especially when we're at home. And like we've, we've gotten more because you guys have known us since we were in our infancy. Now that I feel like I have more of a handle on what we're doing, when it comes down to like if I'm in there, we're in there for a purpose. Like If we're in our recording space, we are there to get something done. We don't waste money and go in there and bullshit. So if if we're in there to get work done and somebody says, hey, can so-and-so come through? No, absolutely not. Yeah. You can finish your shit and leave. I'm 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 weird now to the point where like I, 
if you don't have a purpose, it's tough too because there's six people in the band, and then we have a keyboard player who comes in, and like our last session, we had three background singers come in. So there's yeah ten people in the band plus the engineer. Like there's already enough people in that space. I, and used, they, I used to think that was super rude, but yes. it's just like you're in the cocoon of creativity. Yes, and absolutely. You, you just, you, everyone else has to get out. And it's also different when it's on your dime. Like I, I don't have time for this for shit. It's also not yeah. cute. This isn't like a. Some like, oh, like my friends in a band. No, we're getting professional things done. And like, I feel like I like don't waste my time. Right. I'm also just a lunatic. Um, and I guess that kind of brings me to one of my points here. You guys have known me since I was 23, 24. I'm 28 now. So you guys have seen the band change. You've seen me change. Um, and I, I asked Trace this previously. I've been asking a lot of people about this as I as my birthday's coming up. I like am introspective. What was it like when we first came down here? And I want complete honesty on this. Trace, we'll start with you. I sort of got asked this when you interviewed me for whatever podcast I was on. Oh, yeah. Trace is a reoccurring guest. We had him on like the seventh yeah. episode. I said, uh, I remember your drummer at the time, right. Fox, was to me uh, not, not, he, he, he was great energy but not a not a fantastic drummer so that that start that was there were some challenges you're just a young band yeah you were very gung-ho you're still very gung-ho yeah uh, i'm different now i'm different in a certain perspective as i i keep saying back then i felt like i was a little megalomaniac like i was i like i was very i was everything was the biggest deal in the world to me that that could be right and i think that i didn't know enough so like every experience was new, so I thought this was like the make or break thing. And now that I'm I'm 28, I know like everything happens in its own time. What I think is like what's awesome about you is like you're whatever you're Tell doing, me. you're 100 percent into it. You're excited about it, and you're gonna make it the best it can be. Yeah, right. I think that's great. Like you don't, I don't really ever hear you coming in and being negative, like saying, "Well, this isn't gonna work." And when no. somebody has like, like today we're writing the song. What about this? You're like, oh, let's try it. You try everything. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Well, it's amazing. To, to most people are like, no, I'm an artist. Like, no, blah, blah, blah. Joe, how much time do you spend tuning my vocal? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it was it was so long. I don't even remember. No, I just, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I honestly don't even remember. I mean, it, that was a while ago. It's so funny because uh, Trace came up and worked on Monster, which was a song that we did in December that just got released. But like. Even you said, like, there's a totally difference between me going in the booth then and going in the booth now. Like, there's, like, more of a confidence or I know what the fuck totally, I'm doing. Totally, totally. And I think back and, like, I was winging every vocal thing that I did. And me and Tracy even said earlier, I didn't even know harmonies. I had no idea. Like, I literally thought unison was harmonies. I, and Tracy, so many times would crack and be like, that's not a harmony. That's unison, Colin. You guys are just singing in different octaves. And I'd be like, yeah, exactly, a harmony. And he's like, No. You had to sing different notes. And I'd be like, well, you're just talking witchcraft at this point. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> and like, I think back on it now, and like, this is why I've been excited for this episode, that it's just, I was such a baby. And not in a baby in like an emotional sense. I was just, I was green. I didn't know anything. Yeah. And so like, you I don't like, know what you don't know. Well, I didn't realize how lucky I was to walk into a circumstance where I'm working with you and you. That's ridiculous. That's, that's asinine. That shouldn't be a thing. I got lucky. I, I really did. I walked myself into a perfect situation. So I want to thank you guys. I, mean, I really do. You're welcome. It was a good time. I mean, yeah, I, you know, you, you kind of got it already. So it's like, you know, you have the energy and uh, and uh, 
I didn't notice anything negative about it. The it raw, just was just the like, raw yeah. talent was there. You have it, yeah. All right, well, that's I, good enough for me. I remember after we recorded, uh, I don't know if you had everything done, but we saw you guys playing live. Um, what's the station, the radio station in Philly that you guys play the live thing? For? Radio 104.5. Yeah. And you guys were playing um, Postal. Yeah. Remember that? And we turned it on, and I was like, I mean, it was you were on fire, like you were. This uh, is what's funny to me is that he's been he's been such a like a Trace is never somebody who's ever gonna lie to you. Like if if he likes something, he has a funny way of sh- like he'll be like that was fucking awesome. But then if he doesn't like it, he'll go, man, that was that was good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have to know Trace to know what yeah. I'm talking about. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But like to he's watched us play to nobody. He's watched us play to some people, and then he's come and seen us play in a stadium, right? Which is like a whole other thing. Like you've you've been there the whole time. I had to be. Yeah, I wanted to be. That's a fact. I know. I know that it's going to happen. And it's like it's so. I believe in it. So I mean, he's more of a direct person that I'm in contact with. Joe has been there in a sense of kind of being this like guy who is there for everything, but he's doing all the dirty work. Joe is. Joe is. I will always. Remember, it's a dirty word. I will always remember this moment to where I was trying to have a conversation with you and we were it was a recording process and you had your like fucking suction cuff headphones on that like, you had like your good headphones on and you were cleaning as you were going. But I didn't know what you were doing. Oh, right. right and right. I was like, I was like, Joe, what do you think about this? And you were just like, yeah, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have even heard you. I looked at yeah. him and I went, fuck is his problem? I was, I was like, what is it? What, what, he doesn't like this. He's like, he's working right now. You're the first engineer I ever saw that I was like, oh, like this is what you're supposed to do. I didn't know. Like, yeah. yeah. Once again, very green. So like, I'm learning so much from you guys as I'm going. And I don't know that I really get to tell you guys enough how much I appreciate you. So I just wanted to. Oh, well, we appreciate you, too. You Thank don't have you. to say that. It's fine. It's, it's cool. But, Joe, <laughs> you might can speak. I'm sorry. You might speak to like, I don't know if engineers, do they clean as they go normally? Or is that? Oh, uh, it's just a case bike. You know, it's just a case by case thing. Sometimes, if you want to keep moving, you can do all that stuff afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, the extent of it is di- is different every time. You know, little crossfades here and there are nice, but if you want to clean stuff up, sometimes if everyone's kind of like, oh, let's take a twenty minute break or something like that. If if I'm if my brain is stopped, then I'll take the break. You yeah. know, but but sometimes I'll just keep going, and it's like, well, you know, I can clean this up a bit, and and uh, I, you know, we did a bunch of punches. Let me at least get the the punches clean or yeah. you know so we don't have to keep hearing pops and clicks the whole time and uh, there's so many there's so many and things you and I are like pops and clicks yeah pops and clicks i have no idea what you're talking about mm-hmm. when you did you learn all this at berkeley or um, is this more like on the job training well both uh so the berkeley stuff so that to me and at that and at that time it was only recording the tape so that's a wow. whole lot that's a whole other skill set yeah. um but i the way i look at going there was like it, it i did get to learn a lot but i learned the majority of what i do from other people right so i mean i i feel like i got a good foundation of like knowing microphones not being like completely f- uh feeling foreign to the process mm-hmm. so i feel like i got a good i don't know just a good basis but when i started assisting um other engineers that's where i really started learning stuff right you know, and it was like, it was nice to have a little bit of a head start, but I mean, all the stuff I, sometimes I think about it too. It's like, 
yeah, I've been doing that forever. Why do I? I was like, oh, I learned that from so, so but so. it became part of my, you know, process or whatever, you know. Well, now, and I'm always learning too. I learned from I learned from not just engineers, but producers, musicians. Right. You know, I'll have there's certain musician friends will be like, you know, that will dab like dabble in, um, you know, recording stuff and whatever, and they'll be like, oh, have you tried blah blah blah? And I was like, no, you know, and I and I'd kind of check it out. I'm like, hey, that's a good idea. You know, it's just like I, I just take the I'll take it from anywhere. Really, what interests like, me more from your perspective is everything you do is so technical, right? What you do is so out in the ether. It's more of a judgment call from your perspective. You know right. what I mean? Like you're trying to find sound, but like so you have to learn more technical sides. You learn that from people, and the, the knowledge is kind of passed along. What you're doing is more subjective. So when you're learning things, how do you feel? Like did you learn from just making mistakes and moving on, or was there someone who was kind of like a Sherpa guide in your perspective to show you? Like, did you have a, we brought up Mutt Lang. Did you have somebody, like, to, like, show you the ropes, say, like, this is how you produce, or was it just kind of trial and error? Not really. Just trial and error. The fir- er, error. The first. <laughs> <laughs> Margarita. The, fir- the first <laughs> the first record that I ever tried to produce, Joe engineered it. Really? We talked about that. Who was it? Eighty Katie. Uh, three-piece punky poppy band from Memphis, and we did it at the castle, and we did it to tape. Yeah, oh was, my God! Your first thing was to tape. Oh my gosh! Well, that's all there was. At the, I mean, there may have been some Pro Tools, but it was really, it was really in, in its infancy. Like, um, did, did, they ha- did they have a? Um, it might have been like four track Pro. Like it was like no, it was like nothing. And and Pro Tools was like, oh, you could bring a vocal over and lock it up to tape, and you could m- do a cool comp and put it back to like it wasn't meant to like do and then when when people started recording straight to pro tools at the time i was just like you're crazy <laughs> this like, is never going to yeah. last like, like what if you lose that what if you lose that like you know it's not on a physical you know it's being recorded to a hard drive that freaked me out i'm like are you cra-? like freaks me a, out to this day it's, I... not, it's not on a tangible piece of tape like what do you you know Joe's out here like you can't even touch it what, what is this yeah. one thing i do remember is so this band like I drove, they also, like, their drummer was not good, but the drummer was a girl, and she was married to the bass player. Ah. And so I would drive to Memphis, and do. I did pre-production for two weeks, just tightening, just trying to tighten tighten them up. Tighten the parts up, yeah. And I remember telling Joe, I was like, I really don't have any idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so, like, I would say, like, could we, so if we put a mic here, and can we put a mic in, in the corner of that oh, room? Man. And in the back of the amp, and Joe would go, yeah. I, I mean, I think we this could try that. But it's a thing to do. Yeah, you would go like, well, let me tell you, like, so if you put it up there, you're probably it's probably not going to be. You know what I mean? So it's not going to be useful. So, so he's guiding me, like, okay, lovingly. Yeah, you know. So, but it is subjective. It's all like how you hear it. You know, it's like, and that's the same thing recording and mixing too. There is the technical side of it, but there's also the creative side, right? That you have to, you know, it's all subjective. So every everyone will do a mix differently, you know, and and it's like. It's just the way they hear it, you know, and so it's so it's I don't, I don't know. It's just a people. It, it is intangible. It's a weird. It it's is a weird thing. It, people don't think enough about in the entire process. Right. People, Jesus. Sorry. People don't think about the fact that people only think about the artist, basically. Right. They think about, like, what was the band doing at this point? Like, what, how did they get this to sound like this? Yeah. They don't think about the people who are actually responsible for this are actually the producer and the engineer. I have nothing to do with that. I just write the song. But you guys are the ones who actually bring it out. Like, do you feel like what you do is more like can have more of an effect on the 
the outcome of a song as opposed to the guts of the song, or does the song itself have to be good and then you guys put the sprinkle on top? I I don't know. I was thinking about like a director of a movie. Yeah. And when they have the Oscars. Yeah. That guy always they always have the the awards for best, you know, best director. Yep. When it comes to the Grammys, they're like Producer of the year, blah blah blah, and there's some guy standing in a seat and he waves. Yeah, I always feel like that's a slap in it the is face. A slap I'm in like, the face. come on, man! Like, give give the people that that do things like give them the limelight. Well, the, also because the, it would not be what it is. As Joe knows, we'll have a band, and they're here, and when it's done, it's here. Yep. That's mostly Joe. Yep. But you know what I mean? Like you, we try to make it as I don't know how to answer that question. But. I, but no, so I think I'm trying to give you guys more credit because people can come to you with a song, but generally, especially if you're a songwriter or musician, there's pieces that don't need to be there. And so, right. like, if I think about how many songs I brought to you, and you're like, okay, that's great, but the second verse is too long, and you don't need that fucking double chorus. And also, it's five minutes long. What are you doing? It's never going to be played on the radio. Like, I I don't think that you guys, as engineers and producers, get enough credit for what you do. Cool, agree. But Joe, <laughs> He's like, yes, I agree. One hundred and fifty. Well, I don't know how Joe feels about that, but yeah, that was my point of view. I I agree with that, and I I think too. Like coming to Nashville taught me that. Like coming to Nashville taught me the importance of the entire team. It taught me about right. like also another thing. I I brought this up earlier, but I'm I'm getting introspective and nostalgic in a certain perspective. But I really thought I was the fucking show, and I didn't think there was another. I thought I was. The end-all, be-all in this entire experience. I was wrong, and uh, as a 28-year-old, I can say that. Um, but Nashville has taught me a lot, and I think it's time to sway the conversation to Nashville as a whole. Um, I'm going to start with this, and the one thing that I learned from you guys most about Nashville, or the thing I find the most, is name drop. Uh, the name drop economy here. And uh, you guys taught me that. Like, you taught me about, like, you're, I remember, like, meeting him or you for the first time. You're like, oh, yeah, you're going to meet people, and they're just going to be like, Oh, yeah. Well, I was at so-and-so's house last week, and I was at this party or that party. So this is a question I do ask a lot of guests. What's your biggest oh, shit moment where you're in a room with somebody, and you're like, oh, my God, holy shit, I'm, I'm with that person? And I think, Joe, I want to ask you first. What's up? William Shatner. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? So you're talking Captain uh, Captain Kirk? Yeah, because we, we did an album for him. Um uh, at Studio A, maybe 2003, somewhere in there. You engineered William Shatner's yeah, album. Yeah, it's, it's the album called Has Been, and we <laughs> did. Um, I engineered and mixed it, and it's and it's he was he was in town for a week, and I you know we had a great band, and shot. I mean that's just like that was incredible. I remember the day before we were started recording, I came down to do came down to the studio to do pre production, and it was basically like. Him, I set up a mic, and, and he just read through a bunch of stuff. And I was just, I couldn't believe. You know, it's just like, are you kidding me? This is, like, crazy. And then you get to know him over the course of the week, and he's just, it was, like, a really super cool guy. Like, he, he was so interested in the recording process. He would ask a lot of questions. That's cool. And there was, on, on the pre-production day, we were using, um, it was, uh, we were kind of using Pro Tools, but we were using another device. It was kind of like the, it was called Radar, and it, it went from, you know, people were going from tape to this this uh, recording device called Radar. So we were in that, and uh, I remember kind of doing some editing and he in all this stuff. And uh, I remember looking over my shoulder, and there was just a camera 
like a mo- like a mo- like a like a I say movie camera. It wasn't. It was like a camcorder. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. we don't we don't we have like a fo- shoulder mount camera. Yeah, like- we have we have phones now. You know, it's like it was a camera, and I look, and it's Shatner. You know, and he's like filming the shit I'm doing. You know, and he's just like, oh, this is so great. Damn, this is William so- Shatner was like ahead of his time. Yeah, you think yeah. about like like every musician now has vlogs they put out that are like like of the recording process, and and to think will. It- so William Shatner is the OG of that entire circumstance. Totally. It's pretty fucking cool. Well, actually, he was just—he was just like, "Wow, this is like, uh, wow." Know, and, and I he, and can't a, believe what I'm seeing here. <laughs> and he was—and he was a funny—and he was a funny guy. And, um, but I—I I just remember the one of the cool things was he was just so interested. He's like, now, I remember one, uh, oh, who was playing? It was John John Painter was playing for. He played bass on a little bit of it, uh, like the the maybe the first few days. And then Sebastian Steinberg, who plays with Fiona Apple, he. Oh, play the rest. Mm. Name drop economy. Yeah. Name drop economy. Oh shit! That's what I'm talking about. And I don't want to do that. I'm just trying to give. Doesn't you know. matter, Joe. You're yeah. in the Nashville like team. You're but, in but the did, name drop economy. Just to give perspective, like he's the guy. You know, so they he came in to do uh, to play upright bass mostly, and um, but I remember John. You know, we he was sitting. We worked quick. You know, so he was in the control room, and he he was gonna punch in a bass part, and Shatner's just sitting there, and and, so and he's just like, well. John's, I can't remember. It was just like, oh, I just need the, you know, the down. It was something like the downbeat of that chorus. I hit the wrong note. So I rolled over to it, punched it in, done. And we moved on, and, and Bill was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you fixed it already? Bill. 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 <laughs> and he goes, he goes uh, you fixed it already? He's like, yeah. Well, that, that was quick. How did you, <laughs> you know? And then he kind of wanted to know how you. I was like, well, you just kind of punch in. I mean, he was like really As like, the rest of the band is sitting there like, oh, my fucking God, yeah. shut up. Let's move on. Like, I did, William Shatter was not what I expected to come out of your mouth. I had to be 100% pro- Because honest. that was just so surreal. Yeah. You know, it's just like, and that was in Nashville. So it was like, and we, you know, we would just go walking around just to like to go to dinner and stuff. It was just weird. It's like, you want to go get, but okay. So like three or four of us would just all like walk to. Down twenty first out, you know. To, That's so cool. And yeah, it's like just it, Ben Folds, William Shatner. Yeah, so uh, yeah, his whole squad. squad all, yeah. Dinner. Or the um, the funny one was going to um, eat Thai food, and uh, it was a bunch of us, but it was like, it was like a crazy. It was like Ben, and it was um, Shatner and Joe Jackson because Joe Jackson. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> And that was just like, this is just weird. You know, this is just like a weird, and we're all just kind of sitting at a table at a Thai restaurant just eating. You know, it's like we just, it's like, because Joe Jackson, he he uh, did a song with him, and then he played piano for like a couple of days on just some stuff. Did you ever really sit there and think like, how did I wind up here? How, how did I wind well, up in this yeah, group actually, of people? Yeah, pretty much. It's just like, this doesn't even, this is, doesn't. This com- does not compute. It doesn't compute yeah. at all. No. This is really strange. All right, Trace, what's your biggest oh shit? Because you've toured with the Wallflowers, John Mellencamp. Like, you've had some motherfuckers um, in your circle. Like, give me one where you were in a studio with somebody or at a party, some shit, and you were just like, what? I, I got a, I have a few, I have a couple. One would be, um, so I went to a, I, I was I was slightly high. <laughs> <laughs> this is what this podcast is all about. And just is is that the title of this podcast? <laughs> I was so I was slightly high. Doesn't happen a lot. And I went to a party that was in a bank. And in the bank so it sounds had, like you were robbing a bank trace. <laughs> <laughs> had a random guy come up to me and say, Hey, Trace, come stick here. him up. <laughs> <laughs> 
please, sir, don't hurt me, <laughs> Trace. There's a there's a there's a secondary backstory to this, but it's hysterical. But I, I he I, he goes, come sit. I sit at the table. There's Daniel Lanois. I don't know if you know who that is, but that is uh, U2's producer who did oh, shit. Mysterious Ways. He's done many cool things. And then there's, who's the guy, um, Ethan John's son? Or oh, yeah, that, well, Ethan it, John's. Glenn, Glenn John's son was Ethan, yeah. Yeah, Glenn John's did Led Zeppelin. Ethan John's was there, who's also, who did the Kings of Leon and first this was thing. all in a bank? They're all sitting at this table, and, and uh, Ethan John's wife. So I immediately knew who both of them were. And, I, you know, I was... Just them and me at the table, oh, and, and I'm cool. very like, you know, hello, how are you? Yeah, try to be real cool. Mysterious ways came on, YouTube, uh, like on the thing, and he stands up. He goes, "You hear this song?" He's like, "This song, piece of crap." <laughs> Be- before I produced it, oh. he's like, "They bring it to me. It's terrible." And he starts going through the whole thing, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> you're <laughs> watching. You're literally watching bravado just played out in front of you. Like. So for me, two producers that I really love that makes sense at a table. Me. The other one is Brian May from Queen. Okay, that is what I was expecting to hear. You're like, well, oh, I mean, that's about twelve porter one night, and then Brian May walked into the bathroom while I was there. Like, that's a National Nashville story. How'd you meet Brian? He May? was just he was at a show. Uh, he was standing over there, and I didn't meet him. I I was with my girlfriend who's now my wife and she said i said oh my god that, i said it looks like brian may and i said it is brian may holy and, shit and she goes go and she was working for virgin records at the time she goes go say hi to him and i said no well also i just have to say this i don't mean to cut you off but there's no other 60 year old british white male with a jerry curl it's only it's only no brian may. he's the only one who looks like that and I, I'm such a queen. Like you are a queen to me, fan. they are like so. They're up there with the Beatles and the Stones, and I, I refuse to say a word to him. I just saw him, and I was like, "There is a guy that I respect, yeah. and he's alive. He's a real person, and he's there." So I didn't, I didn't see him. It's still, with the reverence is cool enough to know who's someone who. Here's another question: If you met them. You'd be stopped in your tracks and wouldn't know what to say. So Brian May is obviously yours because you lived that experience. Right. For me, it's Springsteen. If I met Bruce, I'd just cry. Right. What would you What would you say? Like to I love Bruce, your, I love your music. What? I'd go, Dad, and then I would just kind of like <laughs> run away. Like that's what I would do. But what I would say is, thank you so much. You are my fucking greatest inspiration. Like, please adopt me. Whatever you like, I, like, I, I whatever you need me to do. Like someone who would stop you in your tracks and you'd be like. I am eternally in debt to you for what you've done for me, just from your music. Like, like I don't know from a, 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 an engineer, producer standpoint, or even a musician. Like, who would you say, Joe? I'd say probably like Paul McCartney or somebody. Okay, like that. that's understandable. Just like you know, like oh, jeez. Um, I would have loved to have met Frank Zappa. Yeah, well, we've obviously realized that tonight. No, I mean it's just like yeah, and it's just like I, I never even got to see any of his shows. Yeah, you know. Um, so. Um, I feel like you could have more of a conversation with Paul McCartney than Frank Zappa, though. I feel like Frank Zappa would look you in your eyes and like get real close and just ask you some existential shit and then walk away. Right. Like I feel like he's so yeah, heavy. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Paul McCartney would be like, "Would you like to play some music with me?" Like you know what I mean? Like I know Paul McCartney seems whimsical. Frank Zappa seems very heavy. Yeah. But okay, Paul McCartney's a pretty freaking good answer. Yeah. Is that your all-time Beatle? That's that's tough. It, I'm going to say probably, but God, man, you know, John Lennon was so good. Oh, George Harris. I mean, Harrison's my Beatle. And I feel like that's such a, like, really? a, I feel like that is such a contrarian opinion. Like you meet people and they're well, like, no, there's plenty of people that are like Harrison's like, cause he, he had his own, uh, very unique 
you know the contributions yes. within, but but he very unique. When it comes to the Beatles, and I think about it, because I've told Trace this on numerous occasions, I I didn't grow up a Beatles guy. I grew up Stones in my house, and my dad was like anti Beatles. My dad was like Stones, Stones, Stones. The Beatles are for pussies. Like they write pop songs. Like screw that. Like the Stones are bluesy. So it wasn't until I was in high school that I bought Beatles records and I like got into the Beatles. And I'm like, this is amazing. So on its face, I should be a McCartney fan because McCartney writes the best pop songs, in my opinion. Like sure. he's just a pop song. But most of my favorite Beatles songs are George Harrison songs. Something is my favorite Beatles song. It always will be. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, there's something about George Harrison. And I mean, while my guitar gently weeps was like my childhood because my dad was a diehard Clapton guy. Yeah. So like the story over and over again is like, you know, Clapton did this as a favor and didn't even ask for anything. So yeah. like I grew up. Who's who besides Brian May? Who would be your person that you met and you were just like, what the fuck? Um, Jeff Lynn. That's a good answer. That's a really good ELO. answer. He's producer, singer. He's you know he's traveling Wilbury. He's the fifth Beatle in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, people get mad. Jeff about Lynn. It. Yeah. Really? I mean, he, he the last "Free as a Bird" that was the last Beatles song. He produced that. No shit, I did not know that. He did. Wow. And mixed it. I you know he's. I, I love ELO. Yeah, me too. That's my first record I ever bought. Really? Yep. And so, and I, I like him as a producer. He's not so much like stuff he does now, but like Tom Petty. I mean, great stuff. His contribution to music with throwing acoustic guitars behind everything has always been something I've appreciated. Um, that's a good thing where you brought up there because it's a question that we always ask people: is what's the first record you ever bought? Joe, what's the first record you ever bought? Um. Well. Bought or had? Bought with your own money. Bought because you know, I, like I, I have an older brother, older sister, and that uh, I, I got the hand-me-down records. Yeah, like the first one I got, which was um, Elton John, "Don't Shoot Me, I'm Piano Player." Sweet. Yeah, with Daniel on it and everything. But um, the first album I bought, I think, was either the first Boston album. Oh, great answer! Or, and it's, I can't remember which one was first, Kansas. Dude, point let's of, go. Point, point of no return. Yeah, you only go cities or states? <laughs> point of no return. It was the, that was the... Boston is my all-time a band that I do not give a flying fuck about when I am sober. But if I am drunk and Boston comes on, yeah. I know every note. I lose my mind. I love Boston when I am drunk. But my first two... Re- I bought two records on the same day. It was the, the music store across the street from my mom's house. Uh, I bought Bruce Springsteen's Greatest Hits because it's my mom's favorite mm. artist. So that was what I... And I bought Kanye West's College Dropout. To this day... That's you in a nutshell. That is me in a nutshell. This, I think it's uh, 16 years later. Con- yeah, 16 years later. Still my two favorite artists. Even though Kanye's a smacked ass and I'll leave it at that, but... Still to this day, somehow still my two favorite artists. I think it's but like I love hearing do Kansas and Boston are two great answers. <laughs> Jesus. It's a long time ago. <laughs> An ELO. Like I'm you put Well I had I had that out of the blue album too. That's ELO's incredible. That 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 I, one that one wouldn't have been like the third one I had or yeah. the second one. There's there's the first three is like that's one of them. I bought Out of the Blue and the Game from Queen. Queen, which, I was which had another one by the Dust. I had um had like, I also had for Queen I had Around that time too, I had um, News of the World. Uh, yeah, I got that later. And I used to like look at the rob, you know, the the robot uh, 
you know, oh, open yeah. up the whole thing. It was it was a little scary, you know. There is that Family Guy episode where the, the Stewie keeps getting afraid by the oh, album yay. cover. That's a good. That's a that's a good one. This is another thing I've always enjoyed about our relationship is I feel like you guys throw references around that you're not sure whether or not I'm gonna know. And I always, I always oh. get them. Like I remember, like when I first started working with you guys, Trace would bring up something. He's like, "Do you know this Bob Seger song?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's off Live Bullet." What the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, "Why do you know that?" Like, yeah, I remember we had a conversation like well, way back in the day. I remember Postal. What did that? What do we reference on Postal? Oh, um, um, dun, 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 yeah, from dun, Woodstock. Woodstock. Um, oh, uh, ten years ago. Ten, year, ten, ten years, years after. Ten years after. Yeah, yeah. And you were I'm like, going home. And you were like, yeah. Alvin Lee. Yeah, best yeah. 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 yep. And you knew it, and I was very impressed. And I've always loved that because, and I give my dad a lot of credit because my dad always forced me to know everything about. Like, if I like something, yeah. he's like, read the liner notes. Tell me who played bass on this. My dad would quiz me. But it was also a thing to where my dad didn't let us have rap in the house because mm-hmm. he didn't think it was an, he, he thought it was an art form, but he didn't think it was music. He didn't like it. He didn't get it. So he would always say, like, if you're going to bring some shit into my house, you have to tell me why it's good. Mm. You can't just follow the crowd and say, like, my friends like this. Yeah. You have to explain to me why you like it. And I would basically have to, like, not a book report, but go to my dad and be like, I want you to check this out because I really think that the, like, the chorus of this song is cool. Did he like Kanye? No. Hell no. <laughs> my dad hates rap. But, like, I always liked, like, certain, like, Jet. Jet was one of those bands that, like, when Jet came out. That's a great record. My... I bring that record and ask my dad, say, why do you like this? I'm like, because they're Australian and they kind of sound like ACDC. And he's like, give me it. And then Jet was the only thing I played in our house for like a year. So good. So I I appreciate it. Looking back on it, it was kind of like... uh, tyrannical like he was kind of like like, right, like explain to me why you like it i don't know it don't just, know, it it just moves good to me it i don't just know moves but like, me, yeah but looking back at it i appreciate it because it always has peaked like it's why i'm so interested in who does what on what right. i always need to know what producer works on what and i always need to know what they used or like where they recorded it at the time why does it sound like it does yeah and i know everyone says that you know that's i don't know if it's a cliche thing but everyone but i but you know with albums, that's the way I grew up. So yep. when I traced the same way, I mean, it's like I would just I would listen to albums and just look at everything on yep. it. Like like I remember engineers. I didn't even know what they did, but I'm like I remember certain names that would keep popping yep. up. You know, like Jeff Emmerich. That name would pop up right. all the time because of the Beatles records. You know. Well, I mean, like, and so here's a question too about kind of like. Well, I have a question. Go ahead after you. So, do you think? So I have three kids: oldest fourteen, youngest nine. Mm-hmm. They don't care or look at who produced anything on any record right why do you think that is attention span it's more it drives me they don't have i don't think they have the physical thing in front of them and and also with albums you generally were listening from top to bottom or or side side a to side b or side b to side a and you wouldn't skip around and like be doing other stuff well i mean you obviously you could put a record on and do other stuff but a lot of people would sit down and like throw something on and relax listen and then that the artwork was part of it. Right. So when you would look and you would get into the, because you know MTV wasn't a thing yet. Right. And so I remember like Dark Side of the Moon. Oh wow. Listening to that and being blown away as a little kid, and also being like, I don't know what these people even look like. Yeah. It's such a mystery. Yeah. It's just a triangle with rainbows coming out of it. Yeah. And it was just like, do they? What do they look like? Personally, like, I think it'd probably be better for Pink Floyd had not anybody seen what they look like because they're it's not a, it's not a cute band. They're not they're not they're not they're not heartthrobs. <laughs> Here's what I'll say about that. Um, are they are they musically inclined? Like, do you think your kids are, are are more musically inclined or kind of music nerds from the jump, or are they more just kind of passively listening? Uh, 
probably two of them are musically inclined. They're all musically inclined, but one doesn't care if he are they are. But are, I'm saying, are they more like, are they grabbing guitars? Are they like one of them is? So I will yeah, say, yeah. from my perspective, my dad did that because he saw. I was a nerd from the jump. I couldn't keep an instrument out of my hands. Right. And I also just have a random thirst but for knowledge. But you had stuff around the house. Just uh, crates of records. Crates of records. Like uh, it's more like my dad was smart enough to see the fact that I was gonna get this knowledge one way or another, and he right. crafted the way that I did it. Right. I'm also between generations. You know what I mean? Like I still had CDs. I had physical CDs. And we're the last group that had it. So. You know, I, I, I did. I tore CDs apart. I glued them to my wall. I glued, like, the fucking liner notes to my wall. Yeah. I think more with this new generation coming up, it's more like everything is so fly by night. And not only that, there's such... I don't want to put it in this sense of, like, it's, like, a negative thing, but because of the attention span and because of, like, the amount of art that's put out, there's less stock put into each thing that happens. Like, back in the day, you get a, you get a new fucking ACDC album or you get, like, a new Van Halen album, and that's the only thing they're going to put out for the year. Yeah. So you want to know everything about it. I mean, just from Foxtrot's point of view, we put out four singles in an EP in a year, and so each thing, there's a new fucking cycle. It's just a matter of attention span. Right. And what's readily available. I, know, I think about this shit all the time now, thinking about, like, I'm going to have kids in a few years. Like, how am I going to disseminate this information? <laughs> how am I going to do this without sounding like a dick or like old man yelling at the trees? You know, what I, mean? like, I don't know. I don't. I'm not ready. I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready for that conversation. But all right, let's go into it's not a segment necessarily, but it's more of a conversation. We usually do what the fuck we've been listening to. I'm interested between you two. And this doesn't have to be new songs. It could be old songs. It's more of a, like, what have we been into? And, Joe, I think Zappa was definitely something we talked about earlier. But besides Frank Zappa, like, what have you been into recently? Oh, man. <laughs> Frank Zappa and Frank Zappa alone. Well, it's funny because I go in, like, cycles of stuff. And yes. I, and, I, and I'm that way, too, with food, too. Like, I'm like, oh, man, that's good. You are. And I'll kind of eat the same kind of stuff, you know, until I get tired of it and all that. And so I do that with music, too. And it just happens to be right now. I mean, I hadn't listened to Frank Zappa in, like, three or four years and now i'm just like kind of going back um but yeah i don't know like i don't know what else i've been sitting and listening there's nothing to. new that jumped out to you recently you know like, there might be i'm just i'm drawing a blank yeah um think about it you know the um the new margo price record's really so good. good it's really good so freaking good yeah it's 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 great yeah i she's she's awesome because it, it's never like i don't ever listen to margo price and think like uh, I'm not sitting there like blown away by one aspect. They're great songs. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not sitting there like her voice is like the only thing I'm paying attention to here. It's the actual structure of a Margaret Price song that I fucking love. Did, yeah, her, did Boots Walker do that record? N no, she uh, worked. Stur uh, Sturgill. Sturgill produced it. The newest one. Hmm. No way. That's yeah. awesome. I didn't that know that. Awesome. Um and. Uh, was uh, she a Dave Cobb product initially? No, uh, she used to, but but she used to work with um, Matt Rosbang, who's a good friend of mine, and, okay. and and Matt used to Matt used to engineer for Dave a lot. But Matt, see, Matt now has moved back to Memphis, and he's As a lot of people are. I think. He's doing. I mean, um, he he's producing his own records, and uh, I mean, he's producing records at at engineering and mixing, and he's he's really good, and he's done. Um, in fact, I I just did an album. Uh, I don't know. It might be coming out Friday. It's coming out either this Friday or next Friday. But Jeremy Ivy, who's who's um, 
Margot's husband. Oh, cool. Yeah, we we did a record. It's, it's been a while because the co- interesting thing is he put an album out, um, and then uh, he started recording another album. In the process of putting the other one out, but the other one out because he's like, I already have these songs. That's so awesome. I just wanted to do it. So we did it, and Margot produced produced the record, and she's super talented. And it's like they are just yeah, they're great songwriters, and they're I mean, it's just it's really cool. So um. And I think at the time she was finishing hers up, and uh, so I think that's it might be this Friday. I don't know what the date is, but it's coming up soon. Oh, sick! And, and um, that was a good time. And Matt, uh, so I engineered that. I mixed two songs, but Matt mixed the rest of it, and he's great. You know, yeah. and it's like so. Um, but yeah, her her record I've been listening to a bit, and it's it's this new one. Man, it's it's like, fucking awesome. It's really good. But she's just good. I mean, her and Jeremy are just great. So it's like. I, yeah, she's re- she's really, really, really gifted. Yeah, I, I love Margaret Grace. It's funny too because my initial introduction to my manager Elena was at the time I met her had just finished managing Margaret Price. Oh wow! Elena was found. Yeah. Margot got her a deal. Got her a deal with Third Man. Oh okay. Okay. And then they they went their separate ways after that. But like, it is amazing how incest not incestuous, but how small the worlds run down here. Yeah. Oh, like Nash in Nashville used to even be like smaller yeah but i mean even even the way it is now which a ton of people live here um music wise too like there's a ton like the music industry is getting bigger and bigger it's it always, is man as far as like there's just so so many facets of it here now but but yeah it's still small because it's always like no matter how many people it's like oh you know i yeah, oh i know that yeah, i know yeah, yeah. yeah or i just was just i just saw them I'm, i've been friends with them forever it's just, the way we always word northeast philly to where we yeah. always say like uh if somebody's like oh do you know so and so and i'll be like nah but if you give me five minutes like i guarantee we're related <laughs> like it, it, it's like it's literally like it's a small world it really yeah. is and i figured that out very much so that nashville is a fucking small world it's it's amazing yes Trace, what have you been listening to? Well, I just pulled up my Spotify while we were talking. Uh, smart. I was wondering what he's doing on his phone. I was about to smack it out of your hands. Uh, Post Malone. There you go. I, Monster. By Fox Shot and the Get Down? Yep. It's an excellent song, dude. It's <laughs> really well done. You know who produced that? It's I this do. dude named Trace Sasser. Total dickhead. This is off Absolutely. My- <laughs> just a terrible human. But, like, God damn. I, this is it, off my list. Yeah. Uh, Ramones, 40th anniversary, first record, 40th anniversary, deluxe edition, Rush Signals. Uh, Van Halen, OU812. That's for Eddie. I just, <laughs> I kind of listen to just some Van Halen. RIP. Old stuff. Uh, Blackpink, Kill This Love. <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't your know. Your kids got your phone? I like, I like that song. Yeah, I, you I know you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Trace has been on a real big K pop kick. I think that's, I think that's a pretty good cross section. Yeah, yeah, fair. fair. You know. That's all you got? That's all I got. All right. Uh, I got, got Justin Towns Earl. Rest in peace. I went back nice. and listened to the Harlem River Blues record. That record introduced me to so much because I found that from his performance on Letterman back in the day. And his lead guitar player was, take a guess, a, a chubbier version of this human being who's now wildly famous, wearing a fedora, playing a semi-hollow body guitar, absolutely ripping a solo. Jason Isbell. No way. Was his touring guitar player. Wow. And uh, I had no idea until I looked him in the face while he's ripping the solo, and I was like, who's this chubby goon? It's Jason Isbell. Wow. And uh, that record's absolutely incredible. So I went back and listened to that after he passed, and I I, I love that record. Uh, The third Kings of Leon record, Because of the Times. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I love that record. And we were talking about, is that the one Jakir King did? 
Or did he do uh, only only by the night? Oh, is that the one that had all the massive hits? On yes. It? Yeah, he did that one. I don't know. If he, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, is that the one that made all the money? Yes, that's what I've been. That, well, yeah, I, I just don't. Yeah. I don't want to disrespect. Uh, Chance yeah. the rapper. I've been listening to a lot. That's my song. Uh, Chance the rapper. I've been listening to a lot of uh, Garrett Clark Jr. This Lane, the record that came out uh, Great last record. year. Great record. I saw him the day after the record came out. And he played the whole new record. And I was pissed at the moment because I was like, I don't want to see a new record that I don't know. Yeah. But it made me go back and listen to it. And it's my favorite record of last year. Like wow. I absolutely love that record. Um, Exile on Main Street by the Stones. Mm. My favorite Rolling Stones record. Uh, John Mayer Live in L.A. I know we were talking about John Mayer earlier. Wait, let's hit pause for one second. Good. You and I, one thing I haven't listened to, we talked about is... I've been listening to the new Stone song called Ghost Town. Oh my god! I mean, I don't know how old they are, but that that song's amazing. They're old as fuck. It's so good. They're so old. It's so good. And it's and, so good. And the other one good. you played me, that's off Goathead Suit. Scarlet. Scarlet. And, and uh, I was amazing. Showing him, it's a it's an extra song from Goathead Soup, which is it's only rock and roll, but I like it. Shit like that off that record. But uh, they've been having bands do reworkings of this song. So they had the Killers do uh, a remix to it. Oh. And they had the War on Drugs do a remix to it. But it's also featuring Jimmy Page. And we still can't figure out what he did. It's <laughs> Jimmy Page just might have been there and sneezed in a microphone. We have no idea. But it's definitely Keith Richards playing this It's guitar. so good, though. Um, Physical Graffiti, another record I've been mm. listening to. Jimmy, Jimmy Page made Sandwiches. <laughs> he made Italian wedding soup <laughs> with the tiny fucking meatballs. With the tiny meatballs. <laughs> tiny meatballs, man. Dude, there's so many. And, and this just throws me completely off track. But there's so many weird inside jokes. I feel like I have you with you guys at this point. Uh, remember when we watched Too Many Cooks? Oh yeah. Like, oh, I completely forgot. I forgot that? about that. Oh Joe, my let god. Me, let me throw another quote out to you. Give him the stick. Don't give him the, the stick. stick. Oh, G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah, dude. We've had so many times. And I'll say this, too. I always appreciate. Get off my ice, you little wankers. <laughs> I'll always appreciate you guys making our early days of recording down here so comfortable. Because it, I was so worried that we came down here. It was going to be static. It was going to be uh, sterile. It was going to be yeah. very businesslike. And then I remember after like the first night, we watched G.I. Joe and fucking uh, Too Many Cooks. And by the way, Too Many Cooks is like 15 minutes long. But you were laughing so hard, we watched it twice. And I was in here and it's been like, Too Many Cooks is on for half an hour like i once again i feel like I, I always give our radio friends this kind of love and appreciation but you don't know what that means to young artists to to have people be so willing to work with you and work through the kinks and also just be fucking normal human beings so once again i said it earlier but thank you guys for everything i really can't thank oh, you man. enough you're welcome and i'm not usually this nice it was but fun no you're not it's always fun, first off. And yes, I am jerk off square up after this. But like I do I do feel like at this point though, we've gotten to the point where I feel like we know each other kind of like the back of our hands. I feel like we can work very quickly, like the three of us. And especially me me and you spend so much time writing together and yeah. And, well Joe can work with that. Joe could work with a cardboard box and it would sound great. Like Joe can just make things happen and apparently play the drums. I did not know that before yes. today. Yes. Uh Joe, how long have you been playing the drums? Hmm. That'd be um double checking this computer here um, <laughs> i'm gonna um yeah i want to say well a small little musical history I, I in third grade i started playing violin because that was the first instrument they, they would let you play 
Oh, wow. It's like you couldn't do anything. It was like, you could play violin or viola or cello. I was like, oh, well. Ours was recorder. They gave us oh, a flute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So violin, and then um, and then I switched to trumpet for a while. And then um, I think it was maybe seventh or eighth grade, I moved over to, to percussion and drums. So can you basically play everything? Can no. you play anything with strings or keys? No, uh, very, very badly. Well, yeah. If you're hanging out with Ben Folds all the time, of course it's very bad. No, but I mean, I, I, I mean, I can't. Like, no, I mean, I can play piano chords, um, but I'm not a piano player at all. Yeah, like yeah. at all. And then guitar, you know, I could do meathead strumming. <laughs> you can play. You can play the hits. You can play Deep Purple. You can play. Uh, uh, maybe not. Rock either. me like a hurricane. Black Sabbath. Iron Man. Like, I mean, I can. I can play. I can play an open E chord like nobody's business. But yeah. I mean, but I mean, that's kind of it. And then. You know, there's always like a point in the session. I don't think I did it with you guys, but I'd have friends that have their like guitar and they're just working out a guitar part and they'll, and I have to know the person to be able to do this, but they get like a friend or something like that. And they'll put the guitar down and I'll do like another playlist on Pro Tools. And then for the guitar solo, I'll just pick it up and just totally, because I don't know what I'm like, I don't know what yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's actually really, it comes out like shreds. Oh, what? <laughs> and, and it's just like, I don't know how it does it, but I'm like, I figure like it's just going to suck. I'm whatever. But like, it's always like, it always gets a laugh somehow because it's always like, oh my God, that's like hilarious. That's fucking sick. And I, I can't replicate it. It's like, that's it. You know? <laughs> Who is the most naturally talented person you've ever worked with? Would you say Ben? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It would be because he he's like, he's, he's, he's a, he's a, like a, everyone knows him as a piano player, which is, he's a fantastic, like, well, yeah. Crazy piano player. But he's his first instrument. He's a drummer, so he's a, he's a really good drum. Like he's a really good drummer. He's not like fuck that guy, dude. He's not like I a, mean that in the most complimentary way possible. But he's yeah. not like a piano player that can kind of play drums. Like he he went to like Miami, like he studied like percussion in Miami uh, school of you know wow um whatever whatever it's called. It's like University of Miami, yeah. So uh, and he was a touring bass player for a while. So he like he could be his own rhythm section, and he's really good at it. I hate that. He's really in, a, in, a, in a very like complimentary, <laughs> jealous way, I hate that guy. Fuck. If and, I ever... and, and he's an arranger now. Like he's he's well, yeah, he's like yeah. he's like pr- uh, prodigal. What's the word mm-hmm. for like a prodigy? Prodigal. He's like he's like he's like a genius. Like kind of yeah. I mean, he's like you know it it it's funny because he was always a good arranger as far as his band stuff and vocals. Like he was always like really nice background vocal arranger. I've seen the stuff he does with orchestras too. Yeah. Like. But now he's been like he arranges stuff like now too, so he's he can arrange like strings and like and he's he's great at it. I look at him and just by looking at him, I instantaneously can tell this guy is like he just has the look of someone who's a genius. I don't know how else to put it. And he's um he's, he's like, also has a black belt in taekwondo. Oh, that'd be hilarious. And he's <laughs> he's a master chess player and knows seventeen. Yeah, man, he can he can cut down a motherfucker with a with a <laughs> no. Uh, he, but he's also like a. Uh, he's like an incredible photographer. Like he's had photography that shows. Makes sense to me. So it's like it's yeah. It's just kind of like one of those guys that it's like yo. Colin Bundy can write a great song. Also, he can bench press three twenty five. Like that's fucking crazy. This guy can lift weights. Like who's the who's like in your experience? Because you've worked with a lot of, you know, famous. Like you're toured like toured with a lot of people. You've been in studios with people. Who do you is like you've worked with somebody and you left and you were just like what the fuck like fuck how dude I don't know I have I man so many. Everyone's got a talent in a different yeah. area. That's amazing. So, 
I don't know. I, I n- nobody's coming to nobody's coming to mind that just. I mean, everyone's amazing. Like, Everybody has their own thing. Like Joe's amazing, right? Like what he does. Yeah. So, I'd say Joe Costa. That's a good answer. Joe Costa would be the number one thing for me for everybody. <laughs> like. Joe makes a great peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Joe makes a mean Italian wedding soup. Like I like I like I always think about like when I've met people. Like I I guess because I so I grew up in our house. We had blues, but right. we had like Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, the good shit. And I like I call it dirt for dirt floor blues. Yes, guys that bar- can barely play. Right. Take the bare minimum, but it somehow it, it's just it's so overwhelmingly good. Yep. that's the fi- that's my favorite kind of musician. Me too. Somebody that's under that doesn't know all the things. But it's it, the soul's there. Like yes. like Muddy Waters is my favorite, probably top five artists of all time. Who would be like if you could work with one band? You could work with one artist and say, with what they do, I could make something incredible. Joe, we can like I know together. I guess is I know t- one thing that would be cool that if we worked on together would be Sloan. I was about, oh, I knew you were gonna right? say Sloan. I was about to say Sloan, but they're so good on their own. It's like I, I would they like kind of don't need us. Yeah, they don't need it. But I mean, it's like it, it's one of those things where like, man, if I was able to work on a record with them, I'd just be, I'd just probably learn so much stuff from them. You know? Yeah. Um, but I'm saying they're like, so they're so good, and I would love to an artist something like you, that. You an know? artist who you see who you're like. God, I love their shit, but like, if I could just like, like, uh, I think about. Do you ever seen Get Into the Greek? Mm-hmm. You seen the movie? And when uh, Jonah Hill's talking, <laughs> the to, Jeffrey, yeah, the Jeffrey. So, but Jonah Hill's character is talking to Russell Brand's character, and he's like, "You are fucking two guitars, a yeah. drummer, and out of snow." Like, and he's like, "If because you're fucking my idol, but like at the same time, if I could get my hands on you, this is what I do." To me, my person who I would like to work with and like push them. One, Alicia Keys, because I feel like mm. Alicia Keys has gone so poppy, but I love raw Alicia Keys where she's just a mm. fucking musician and there's no like anything around it. I would just put her in a room with a microphone and a piano and just see what happened. Or I would put her in a situation where she's doing some dirty Black Crows instrumental shit yes. and just have yeah. her rip because she is just so ungodly talented. Somebody that would be cool to see what happens with, I, I would take her back to her first record is Nora Jones. See, well, I mean, you know that's why. We love Nor so Nor Nor Jones, Tracy Chapman. Yo, yeah. Right. I mean, just just the simplicity and like just bring it back down to what it used to be. Don't yeah. don't do like do, don't don't do all the new. Well, see, Nora Jones, I still love her. I even like the electric album she did, Happy Pills. Yeah, uh, I love that record. I've I like she's she's someone who I just absolutely adore as far as a musician. But like, I would like to see her go back to more of the stripped down kind of like jazz, like like quartet type of thing. Like, I think that's dope. Like, Joe, if you could work with like one artist, and I guess it might be a different situation from an engineer's point of view, but maybe it's just like a bucket list thing. Like, you'd like to work with one person, like. That's a tough one. I probably have an answer somewhere, but I just can't even really. No, it's understandable. I put you on the that. spot. It's just something that like hit me right away to like, because I always think about like producers I would like to work with. Like I always think about like, um, like mostly it's hip hop because that's where I pay attention to my producers. Like, uh, I mean Pharrell Williams is someone who I'd always like to work with because I I love what he does and I think he makes everybody better. Um, but like Mark Ronson is always somebody that I always talk about. And I mean, right. it's such a cliche answer in today's day and age, but like the way he does things is the way that I think about things. Like I, I love yeah. the way he, rec- but I mean, even in the process of making monster, we talk so much about it. Yeah. This is what I didn't know up until 
a month a month or two ago. Remember when we were going in there and I said I wanted to sound like Queens of Stone Age drums meets uh, some Mark Ronson production meets Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. Mark Ronson produced the Queens of the Stone Age record that I was talking no about. Way. Yeah, Villains, that record, he produced I didn't know it. That. Yep. I didn't know until I watched his documentary. Wow. Because Josh Homme came to him and said, I hate you because my kids won't stop listening to that stupid fucking uptown funk song. Mm. But I love the way you suck the air out of the rooms when you when you record your drums. So I want you to produce the Queens of the Stone Age record. And that's how it came together. Mm. And uh I don't know. If Josh Hame came to me and bossed me around, I'd probably run in the other direction. He's a big motherfucker. And not only that, you ever seen the video of him yelling at that kid on stage in Germany? Yeah. I want no problems with Josh Hame. <laughs> Josh Hame told me to do anything, I just do it. We had a, a conversation on the podcast a couple weeks ago about uh, if you could make a starting five NBA team with five musicians, oh. I made him I made him my power forward because I was like, that's such a dirty position. Oh, yeah. But I said he'd wear combat boots. My lineup was fucking incredible. Ken's was actually the best because Ken went on physical appearance and, like, their actual athletic ability. I tried to be, like, metaphorical. Yeah. But somehow all three of us picked John Mayer as our starting three – our, our small <laughs> forward. I don't know how the fuck that happened. But um, All right, so – I'm just going to start going off. We like to do this towards the end of a lot of our episodes, but I start to ask random questions, like just random. I want to get to know you guys better. And so I'm just going to start looking at you individually, and I want to start <laughs> asking questions. Oh, no. Trace, do you prefer coffee or tea? Coffee. That's a good fucking answer. Don't ask the other way. Joe, do you prefer super sandwiches? Sandwiches. That's a good answer as well. If you said soup, I'd kick you out of the studio. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right, here we go, Trace. What's your best, and also what is your worst show experience in your life? Playing a show, and it doesn't have to be what's your greatest show or what's your worst. Show. It's like I'll give you my examples. My greatest experience was tackling Mark Foster from Foster the People at Firefly, because it was fucking. I, we were moshing during the Arctic Monkey set, and we were in the artist's pit. Yeah, and uh, Mark Foster was standing next to me, and I didn't know, and I just shoved him, and he hit the dirt. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Uh, worst experience was getting electrocuted and then tackled by a homeless guy in New Orleans. But that's not a show, is it? No way. We were playing a show, yeah. Okay, so you'd be around the time you were playing Absolutely. a show. Absolutely. I mean, like, did you have a show where, like... Oh, man. Um, dude, is I, there anything I, I, think, I think I told, like, that story I told on the last podcast when we played in New York at... What was that? So when you stole the bottle? Yeah, but what was it? I didn't. <laughs> Bowery Ballroom. <laughs> Bowery Ballroom and Little Steven came from Street oh, Things Band. Yeah. That was a great show. Yeah. That show was good. Um, that show was also terrible. Because <laughs> I got I got banned from that that bar for a year. Both so, of the things are the same thing. So, I mean, that that'd probably be a good answer. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of bad ones. Joe, uh, what's your worst session experience where somebody came in and you were just you don't have to name names? Per se, if you don't want to, but just came in and the fucking wheels fell off. Like you know, like you you were there and you were sitting, you're scratching your head. Like, can I can I just go home? Like, oh man, not 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 recently. I got to go back because in the assistant days, I'm sure there was plenty of them. There's never been one where you were like, all right, this is fucking stupid. Why am I here? Like, I mean, was I... ever one where somebody walked in and was just like, everybody clear the room. I need a thousand green M and M's and light those no, candles over I, I, there. I've never, I've never been in that kind of situation. You lived a very fortunate life, Joe Costa. No, I, I, and I mean, you know, there have been, there have been some where it's like 
you know you, you get micromanaged and i hate i hate being micromanaged I you gotta let it. joe do his thing right. well it is not and, it, and it's funny because it's not like um it's not an ego thing no it's not it's just that you know you're trying to you're trying to get somewhere that's hard kind of hard to explain without but i mean you're trying to get somewhere and obviously you're interacting with you know a producer an artist and or multiple people and you want to do what's best for the you know for them and, and what they so i'm always listening and oh cool great you know sometimes you just have to and but sometimes you just have to get to a point before anyone can even you know just weigh in little little mundane things you know and then some sometimes it's you know it's very rare but everyone's still you know sometimes there's someone over your shoulder like um oh we don't like no uh can uh it's like wait oh. a, wait a minute wait a minute it's like i just need like five minutes some people could say that it's you know too many Cooks. cooks in the kitchen yeah but that that's very that, i mean that's very rare that Dude, it's I, like i will say joe he might want to tell the story so i know the end of the session didn't end up the way you wanted it to but picking up the person he, joe picked up billy gibbons from zz top from the airport right oh shit fuck? i forgot about i forgot <laughs> about the no not from the airport from um from a place up the street. He's like from Alcoholics okay. Anonymous. Oh, okay. Yeah. I keep Please one, tell right? me this story. I've got funny. Okay, That's so. That's a good one. So I was. That's a great one. I was working with, um, uh, I was an assistant for an engineer named Tom Harding. And Tom used to, he had worked with Billy Gibbons and ZZ Top in the past. And so he, Tom was going to mix a song for Billy Gibbons. And. I was assisting on it, and we were going to do it at the studio next to his, um, which was on. That that was on music, yeah. That was on Music Row because this has been a while, and so, but it kept getting later and later and later, and he's like, I don't think we're going to start till like midnight, and he says, you know what, we can walk up, so we walked up Music Row, and it's not there anymore, but there's like, I guess there's, I got any, I never even roll down music row anymore there's no reason to you know yeah, but it's say, like, I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've but been there a while so um so there's um they're probably putting they're probably putting up a hotel there but it used to be that old house that was on that corner that was really pretty yeah where it, go, where it goes to division and then there's the roundabout oh yeah, yeah, yeah but that yeah. roundabout wasn't they've there. been first of they've been building apartments over there oh, since right. i started coming down oh here. It's, it's crazy it's fucking crazy so that roundabout wasn't there and there was like they had all these little trinket shops where all the all those bars are um, it was kind of like the downtown area, but, oh, but I know exactly what you're so, about. so it was all like, you know, it was like hound dogs. It was, uh, um, Gillies. It was, uh, you know, wax museum, country music hall of fame. That was all right there. Like, wow. Downtown was nothing. There was like, you could go down there and just park on the street. Like there was nothing. So, but there was a, there was a building that's not there anymore. And there was a guy, um, who used to work with a, uh, and I've never worked, never worked one, but he used to work with a Fairlight. It was like a. It was like a digital recording system, okay. like way before, you Pro know. Tools and shit like that. So Billy was working with him on that, and uh, and and Tom was like, "Let's just." It was like eleven o'clock or something like that. He's like, "Let's let's walk up, and meet Billy, and I guess we'll just come back, right?" So we walked up. You can't miss him, you know. And I <laughs> met met Billy Gibbons. He was super sweet, um, and um, so anyway, so we're getting ready to go back to the studio. We get the the two inch reel. Everything's been transferred. And he said, "Well, you would just hop in my car." And so he had a, uh, I think it was a, I think it was a Cadillac. He has the coolest car. And 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 Tom just 
like he, an old Cadillac. He just sat in the back. Like he, he was like he got in and sat in the back. So I was just like, oh cool. So I, so I sat in the front with Billy Gibbons. <laughs> so this is, uh, so he put on, he probably put a cassette tape in or something like that, and it was Shabba Ranks. What? Yeah, and he was just like, he's bumping Shabba Ranks. Yeah, cranking it. Now, Abuka Kong. Abuka Kong. Yeah. So yeah. He, at, at now this is like a this is like midnight, um, and so he um. I'm in the front seat with him, and, and it's just like, okay, it's midnight. He's cranking this. He pulls out. He starts driving down Music Row really slow. He put his sunglasses on and put the dome light on in the car. <laughs> so then, oh my God. so then he was looking for a boat. He said, "You guys, you guys, mind if I look? There's one of these alleys has a Chris Craft boat. I wanted to check out." So we went looking for it. You know, found it. He's like, "It's in the shed. It's, it's cool, you know." And uh, so. Did you rob somebody with Billy Gibbons? Yeah. So so then we go we go to the studio and it was a song called uh <laughs> it was a song called Landing Strip. <laughs> and and uh, Perfect, of course. You know, and it was and it was that um and it was that um at that time period, you know, like go 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 check it. Yeah, that yeah, that kind yeah, of ZZ yeah. top shit, you know, it was it was cool. And um and as the assistant, you know, Tom was like, "Why don't you get the like, you know, get the faders up and blah blah blah." So I'm in the control room by myself, and I'm bringing up faders, kind of getting things kind of ready for Tom to start mixing. And there's a lot of tracks. It wasn't a ton, but oh, it was no. like it was like it was. No, nah, it was like it, it was all it was all Billy, I think, because it was oh. all program stuff. Um, okay. But it was uh, you know 24 track. It was just like a t- you know with Simpty, so 23 track, 22, and um, and I remember just bringing up like I had never heard, I had never brought a fader up on a th- something I was working on, and heard a guitar solo like that. I was just like I brought it up, and it was like. You know, I couldn't even describe it. I was yeah, like, just, I was like, it's like it said guitar solo when I brought it up, and I was like, I've never brought up a, a fader and heard that. That's phenomenal. He's just so then, um, and then of course I brought up, you know, I kind of like bringing up all these faders, and I brought up the vocal, and he's, you know, oh wow, yeah, John Mills, the Lannister, you know, like a, it was really cool. And um, one of the funny things is like he, w- so we were using automation on the console to, you know, to do mutes and things like that, and he was trying to cut out the stuff because it was on tape so he was like trying to do this rhythmic thing and cut the guitars out at a certain like a rhythmic thing like because the parts weren't like that but he's like i, I want to do that and he, he did it like a few times and i knew what he wanted to do and the, and the switches were weird because they were like little soft switches okay. and i didn't want to be out of turn but he was just like oh man blah, blah, blah. and i and i said uh i said billy i think i can if you let me i think i can I can do that because the switches are weird. He's like, oh, go ahead, you know. So I rolled back. I did it once, and I was like, shit, I didn't get it. I rolled it back. I did it again. I'm like, oh, shit, I almost have it. And he just put his hand on my shoulder and went, sorry, son. <laughs> so I so I, so I, I just got up, and he got back in the seat, and he did it. Oh, my God. Dude. That's and, like and we worked. And we that's wor- kind of best words. That's a fucking good answer. Right. And, we, and, we, and we did um, – and we worked till about six in the morning, and then someone met him there, and they went off to breakfast. Um, I just wonder what the rest of his time was like, because like I'm thinking, like he went, found that boat, like just had forty girls on there, everything was covered in pink fur. Yeah, like, like totally. What a human! By the way, I've never asked this question to anybody. What's up with the hat that he wears with like the the little like fake dreadlock thing? Oh, like, I, like the fuzzy hats. Like, that's a that's a gift from an African priest or something like that. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Yeah. I, I saw an interview with him and asked why he wore that. And yeah. he said that it was he he always wore a cowboy hat or something before. 
Someone gave it to him, and he's worn it ever since. He always interests me because this is, once again, like when I first started becoming a nerd on things, finding out. Because when you're a kid and you see like bands like Van Halen or like uh, Hendrix and stuff, and they would play with these huge Marshall stacks that have like 12 Marshall stacks on stage for guitars. Yeah. And then you find out that Billy Gibbons plays out of these little six-inch cigarette amplifiers, and he gets that tone. And it's when I learned that, and Keith Richards the same thing. He brings like a like a fucking uh-huh, like a hundred twenty watt Marshall that yeah. just sits on the side of the stage. They call it the lunchbox. Like, like volume doesn't equal tone. No, and, it's all it's all the it's all the fingers. And Billy and the, Gibbons is yeah. the king of the way that he strikes the strings is what mm-hmm. gives him his sound. So like I'll always have respect and thanks to Billy Gibbons for that. But I wish that you could have gotten like. Jesus just left Chicago, ZZ Top. You got like automated '80s ZZ Top, like, ugh. But it, it, and that's that's a good point too because it's like you know the, it's all in the fingers. Oh yeah, it's it's like it's all in the and, and um, I was I've I've done that with players where it's just like you know it's just like oh my god they're just that's it you know yeah. like Trace has great like his you know if, you, if sometimes you work with a bass player that's just like. I can't make anything of this because yeah. it's so washy and nebulous and because yeah. like, they don't have the, and it's not necessarily, you know, the, it's, it's all fun with like cool amps and cool tones and stuff. But if they don't have, if they don't have the finger stuff down, it's like, it's not. That's happened. It's, it's, that's it's happened all, a lot. A but, few times. Yeah. It's like, it's like you can't. And, and, well, Joe, like, and Joe will say, dude, it's your, your, could you please just play bass on this? And I'm yeah. like, no, I don't it's want in the same perspective. If you talk about vocalists who you see some people who can sing motherfuckers out of the gym, but don't know how to fit into a song. Like I think about guys like Sebastian Bach is always somebody we like talk about. Like if a guy like that walked in here, he has an amazing voice, but if he doesn't fit the type of music, music that we're doing, with, doesn't understand the vibe of the song, right. you can have a great fucking voice or guys who can just absolutely shred the guitar, like can read tabs and read music till the cows come home. But when it comes to the actual dynamics of a song, it doesn't work. Right. It's just show. It's like, it's like parlor tricks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I think like Billy Gibbons probably isn't technically the most proficient guitar player of all time. You think about a guy like that who mm. just tasty. It's just it's it's his thing and yep. it, and it's very recognizable and it's very cool. And that's kind of like the whole that's all I care about is it's like does it move me? I don't, you know. It, and that's, if someone can run correct. scales super like blazing it's like I don't care about it that. Never, that's why I've never gotten metal. I've never gotten like a tool or like me and Eric always have his argument but he like loves tool and like this heavy metal shit and I just never get it. Because it's not where my brain sits. And also, I, I'm just not one for... <laughs> it's a phrase I've heard. Uh, artistically jerking off. Like, I'm not one for... I don't care how many scales you can play. I, I it's We talked about Steve Vai before this. Right. But uh, there was always this video. Uh, it's Crossroads Festival 2004. Eric Clapton does a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like Hubert Sumlin, Robert Cray, B.B. King. Like, all these amazing blues guitar players. And out of nowhere... Steve Vai comes on stage, and this motherfucker has his like signature Ibanez guitar, and he has two fans that sit at his feet and blow his hair back while he plays, and he's tapping and doing all this shit. And I remember as a kid, my dad sitting there and just shaking his head and just going, "See this guy jerking off on stage?" Like, by the way, I'm like, I'm like nine. My dad's just talking yeah. to me like, this "Dude, is like, well, who are you doing that for?" And that always stuck with me, just being like, "What? Are, what are you doing that for?" Like. I, yeah, I, I Trace brought up the idea of like dirt floor blues. Yeah, that I've always gotten that because I get it from an artistic point of view. Of it's just like it's from the dude's soul. 
Totally. I'm not more of a technical guy. It's never. It's but never some a... people, you know, that that's that totally connects with him. Well, David, well, I'm not one of them, but that's, well, but there's know. also like hybrid people like Eddie Van Halen who happens to be this freakish freak of nature. Who but he also... has, but he had his own like very recognizable thing, and it was very like to me, it hit my soul yes. like, in a great way. But but he could he could shred, but it wasn't a necessarily about that. But that was kind of part of his thing. It's very different, like a very. I mean, well, also Eddie guys. Sorry, guys like David Gilmore too, who are yeah, who are very out, effect heavy. Like, but a hold out like this crazy note, and you're like, oh man! And it's just, he's just holding. But it this was thing always out, but it was the so emotion good. behind yeah. what David Gilmore did that it was like, okay, I get that. He's obviously right. proficient, but like he gets what he's doing. Right. So what were you gonna say? I was gonna say Eddie Van Halen to me, the width of his guitar sound yeah. and the power of his guitar is what like it just it just. Knocks you over. Well, yeah, he also had a strap body that he funneled into one humbucker, which he was also a Frankenstein guy that he like really truthfully cared about what he was putting into everything. Yeah, and things I didn't know until I was older, and I like put more respect into it and like what he did. And so, God, that question really snowballed into something amazing. Mm. Look at that Billy Gibbons story; that was fucking awesome. Well, and then like Eddie Van Halen, like if you heard you know the first Van Halen record and stuff, I mean it's it sounds to me it's like. Um, uh, aesthetically, whatever. I mean, just without even analyzing it, because I, I don't even want to analyze it. But it's like, you, it just gives the impression of it being huge, right? But when you sit and listen to it, it's like it's one guitar. There's, it's not doubled. It's not. Yep. It's just one guitar, and it is so massive. And it's just his tone is so yeah. incredible. And if he would have, I mean, I don't know. You don't know until you hear something. But something doubled like that would probably just suck all the coolness out of it. Yep. It's just like you know, but. It sounds uh, massive. It's like the guitar is on one side, all the reverbs on the other side for the guitar, and it's huge. And nobody ever sounded like Van Halen, and I don't think anybody ever will. Mm-mm. Big people tried, but like, there's something magical about that. Like, even as a kid, like hearing that shit, I was just like, "This is different." Just sounded fun. I don't know how else to put it. It sounded fun to me. Yeah, yeah. David Lee Roth is kind of like a vaudeville. Yeah, and I'm guy. well. Obviously, that dude is is. Remember when we were in here? You guys showed me the thing of him on Jimmy Kimmel. Oh yeah, and he's, he's like, "How is everybody?" <laughs> hey, you know, well, the funny thing about that was there's a few funny things about that, but they they sounded great on that. Jimmy yeah, Kimmel, right. And so he um, it was hot for teacher, and it was and he starts riffing like there used to be a restaurant down the street, and I was it was called Tuesday. And we used to all go blah, blah, blah. Gazzardis. Gazzardis. <laughs> and if you had to have a name to, like, and it was just like. It just sounded he, like your grandpa he, talking he's, about yeah, right now. He's gotten that, more smalty in his But to age. me, that was brilliant. Instead of going like, oh, I, you know, I think the clock is slow. Instead of doing that, he's like, just starts talking about shit. And I'm yeah. like, I was like, that's brilliant. It actually. doesn't work when you're like 65 and you're like, I'm back. <laughs> yeah. Man, Wait. I think I'm tardy. He's like, we used to go to Gazzardi's, <laughs> and there was a two-for-one special. It, it, but Eddie Van Halen's over here is still looking slick, still looking like he could fuck still somebody. Still doing his... Still going. Could you imagine having been Alex Eddie and sitting there and going, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, I, I sometimes think about when I'm on stage and I start talking about some shit, and the rest of the band is behind me because I'm not looking at them, and they just go, what the fuck are you talking about? As a bass player, did you ever like look at Will or, or like anybody you play with, and you just go, "Dude, what the fuck are you talking Please about?" Don't. He probably looked at me sometimes, like, "What are you talking about?" Because <laughs> I would I would say, 
many a thing on the mic. I felt like it was just as much my band as it was his. Ah. So a lot of times I would, you know, somebody say, I love you, Chase. And I'd say, I love you too. Wh- where do you live? <laughs> <laughs> and he looks over you like, yo, shut the fuck right, up. Bass player, be quiet. Oh my There's God. a really, I didn't see all of it, but it seemed really cool. There's a, um, I think it, I think it's fairly recent. Is uh, Joe Rogan has, um, as uh, uh, David Lee Roth on. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. But I, I saw I saw like five minutes of it, and it was really, it was really interesting. Do you like do you do you watch Joe Rogan podcast? At all? I, I do sometimes. It yeah. always interests me. Yeah, and always. And he um, but he like David Lee Roth was saying like some interesting things about, you know, not saying anything bad about Sammy Hagar. You know, yeah. The um, and Joe Rogan was like that too. He's like, man, he's a great singer. You know, I love his stuff. He's like. It just wasn't for me for Van Halen because I didn't feel like that was Van Halen. But obviously, I'm not gonna. Whatever happened? Fashion... Why did David Lee Roth leave Van Halen? I don't remember. I mean, dude, his, I mean, like his ego. Yeah, that's I, what I, it was. I, he made a he made a solo EP. Uh, just a gigolo, crazy from the heat. Oh, that's right. That was on there, and it and it did really well. Really, it did really well, and it, I think it was number two in the country. And then he they and he was just kind of like, eh, I'm not sure I need Van Halen. I mean, like he, you know. It's like Keith Brogdon, uh, a designer friends of ours, he always says, when David Lee Roth looks in the mirror, he doesn't say, I want to be anybody else. I just want to be David but Lee David Roth. But David Lee Roth, I mean, he likes himself a lot. So, Are they, are, is Van Halen the band that has done the the best ever with a second lead singer? Or like somebody leaves the band and they bring somebody up? Because there's one band that I can think of that has done better. Who? ACDC. Oh, pff, yeah. good one. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it, I mean... To think about the fact that because those first three records for ACDC are like the my childhood records, like Livewire, uh, Dirty Deeds, Highway and Hell. Highway to Hell, and then they just come back with Back in Black, which is arguably one of the greatest records of all time. And then after that, I mean, they have like Money Talks and Razor's Edge and Fly on the Wall and Foot. For those about to rock. For those about to rock was the album after uh, Back in Black. Yeah. That to me is like the band that like recovered after losing a lead singer, and they're different circumstances, but like. Can you think of anybody else that like actually did well after like replacing a lead singer, other than Van Halen? Yeah, because Van Halen, like, because all I mean, they I, kept going. I, I it wasn't three, my favorite. No, but, but, but I mean, it was, they it still was had good, hits. and they did, and they did, and they did. They were successful. Super yeah, successful. all three of those records with Sammy Hagar were number one records. That's what I'm saying. I they, mean, they they did all right, but I can't think past that of anybody that I like remember like really switched up like that and they brought somebody else in and it was like they didn't miss a fucking I can't beat. think of it. No. You know, and another interesting thing he said like Joe Rogan is funny cuz he goes I mean back back when you guys were, you know, and, he, and then he which I didn't quite understand where he was going cuz it sounded weird at first. He's like and he's talking to David Lee Roth and he says, "I mean, back in the early days of Van Hill, I mean, you you wouldn't know anything about this, but and I was thinking like how would he not know?" And he goes, "Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in school, growing up in school, I mean, uh, on the books, you'd, you'd put the Van Halen logo. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was just like, oh, I did that, too. You yeah. know, and it's like, um, and then he was talking about stuff like songs like um, David Lee Roth was like, well, like Jamie's Jamie's crying. He's like, the lyrics were all kind of sad and stuff. But what's the music? It's a rumba. Yeah. It's all it's all like, you know, and I was like, yeah, you know, I never I mean, it's a great it's like it's like a happy kind of musically, but. But then the lyrics are not, you know. Yeah, I, I love. So, I love. I do love songs like that. There's that so many opposites. There are so many Van Halen songs that like I, I don't think about on a daily basis. But if I hear them, I'm like, holy shit, this is so good. Like, like I, like, you said, James crying. I haven't thought about that song since I was probably 15. Well, then Tone Loke. Oh, 
Funky Comedina. Funky Medina, yeah. What, oh, what, shit, that's a sample. Yeah, it's a sample. It's a sample. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. I didn't think about that. Just kind of put them into the mix. Wow. But I mean, like, I, 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 like uh, Van Van Halen, like obviously it's 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 so important to talk about it now because Eddie Van Halen passed away. But like, that's a band that like I hadn't thought about for a fucking long time, and I'm glad that it, like the conversation has started back up. And I and I I probably have heard this wrong or whatever, but I, it it would be cool if it was true. But I heard that early, in the hit the early days, Eddie Van Halen would like wrap the tubes of his amp in like tin foil. Yeah, he had a bunch of you know he, like shit uh, would catch on fire. But he, the, but he owns like forty patents. Owns, I know he owns patents for sure, but so things that he did that. to his guitars. Yeah, he was bringing up the fact that when he was uh, first experimenting with putting the or the humbuckers into a strat. Yeah, and he was getting a lot of reverb and rattle. Yeah, and he didn't know why, so he would take his pickups and dip them into wax, so that there would be no rattle from the the copper wire on the inside. And he said he burned out like a hundred sets of pickups because they would fucking melt from the wax. Wow. And now everybody dips their pickups in wax. What's I've, and I've what's never, I've never heard of the tinfoil? So I don't know the tinfoil. Oh, but the tinfoil would be around the tubes and it would make them extra hot. And it would it would do the tone the tone of the amp would be like ah, insane. Okay. And he would also heard heard he would run um, and this could be all bullshit, but I remember people telling he would also like use a variac. I think he would turn the voltage up higher too. Mm. Yeah. So would, a lot of those a lot of that tone obviously is his fingers and the way he plays, but the way he would run his amps and like overheat them and stuff, it would be. Well, the other guy who's like that is is Steve Ray Vaughan, was also a freak scientist mm. about the way he would do. Mm. He would run like four or five different sets of heads and cabs of those Dumbo amps is what he used. Yeah. It's like this like fucking niche thing back then. But he would also do things where he would run like a tube streamer screamer and then two wahs that one was down and one was up and he would get this weird kind of like midline tone with the tubes. I love the mad scientist mm. thing because I'm not like that and it always interests me and people who are. Like I'm I'm fucking so dead set on being like I don't know shit about I trust people to get me tones or like instruct me on how to do things. I know how to write songs, but like I love a nice mad scientist approach. Yeah, totally. But all right, uh, a couple more random questions and we'll get you out of here. Uh, Trace, what is your favorite type of food? You're t- I'm talking like, I don't know, like genre of food. Italian. Italian. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. I don't know why I picture you as a sushi guy. Nah, I mean. I used to be no, I, I my, so my you might not know this. My father's mom was is, a is, fish. It's from Italy. No, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel's her last name. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Oh, see. Oh, there we go. I like that. That's why we. But I mean, like, pa- I, I don't know if it's American or what, but like you know, pasta with a good meatball. Fact. I, it's Americanized, but yes, that's probably be my last meal if I did, if it was really good. That's fair. Joe, what's your favorite TV show of all time? Ooh, wow. Man. You're, you're, I'm talking like you're going to bed. You got to put on the trusty number one show that you can just go to. Oh. MASH. Ooh. Oh. Not what I was expecting. I pictured you as like a Seinfeld guy for some reason. I do love Seinfeld, but I mean like just I'm trying to think of something that's just so like nostalgic. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, it'd probably be. Wasn't MASH like 30 seasons? Oh, Maybe. yeah. They never left the Korean War for like 30 <laughs> years. It was just like, what's your favorite show? Uh, the Office. 
like I've, I, I go by categories the office or Mad Men is probably my favorite drama of all time mm. I I watched that again over quarantine and I I did not realize a show with such low stakes like it was just people working in an office like just it was just advertising agency but the acting and the writing was so good sopranos would be too on drama side mm. um and then Entourage for like my shitty TV. I love Entourage. And I know that's shameful because it's not a good show, but I just love it. Um, what's your biggest guilty pleasure song? Oh, or a gu- guilty pleasure artist? Like something that like I love this question because this this is deep seated. For me, yeah. <laughs> some people, some people might not like it, but the knack. Not guilty pleasure. It's not okay. Well, I don't no. know. For me, for me, I mean, they have one song, but other than that, it's okay. Let me tell you. My Sharona is your. Let me pleasure. tell you. Get the knack. That record is it good? It's one. Of, it's one of my top ten records of all. It's amazing. It shaped me as a bass player. See, it's, this is, it's so good. This is the thing, though. So, like, I could say the same thing, kind of about Jet. In the fact that I would probably list Jet as a guilty pleasure because people just know them as "Are You Gonna Be My Girl" and "Cold yeah. Hard Bitch." Yeah. That first Jet record is one of my favorite albums. Of all time. It's so good. It's fucking great. Joe, give me a guilty pleasure of yours. Um, I like um, 70s soft rock. Oh, like little Christopher Cross? Like that kind of Dude, shit. Like, I do uh, too, though. But Yacht, I mean, like, Yacht Rock! Yacht rock. But, you like a nice Michael McDonald? I could get into that, but it's Yama like... Be there? But, like, see, I think it's really good is, um, I mean, like, bread. Like, I could listen to bread. <laughs> See, I can listen to I'm bread. I'm, bread though. Bread's awesome, Holy but I mean, God. people might be like, "Yeah, whatever." But I was like, "Oh man, it's the music. The the, the songs are so good." And Do you count Steely Dan in that art in that kind of no, thing? No, they're more. They're, that's their. That's a different. That's more highbrow. Yeah, but that, but like, bread. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, what's the dude's name? Um, I'm totally spaced on his name. Like shit. Like um. Leo Sayer. Leo Sayer, ah, like, 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 like shit like that. Like, and, and I don't know, like a specific artist, but like that whole like genre of music, I could just be like, yeah, man. See, I'm like that with a lot of pop shit, like that I shouldn't like on its face because I'm like love rock and roll, whatever. But also, there's so much awful, awful rap music that I listen to on a daily basis. Like, just when I work out. Or if I'm just like driving, I love because it takes me out of what I do and what I make. I need to be distracted. So it's the only time I'm not listening to my genre of music. So when I drive, mm. I like sports talk radio and the most ignorant, in your face, terrible rap music humanly possible. But you love it. Oh, I love it. I just love rap music in general. Rap is my art form that I become a nerd on. I need to know everything. I need to know every artist and who produced it, where mm. it's from. What the influence was. I, I'm a historian when it comes to hip-hop. I don't know why. I'm going to ask you a question. Good. Ask me everything. Do you... So, I was thinking when you said that. For me, personally, when I... You're going to think this is crazy. When I listen to opera... Yeah. W- with the males, like, Pavarotti singing... Yeah. It brings me to tears. Like, oh! Like, it's so emotional, and I don't know what he's saying... But it's it's the the construct around it. it it's just emotional. And my wife will say, "Why are you crying?" I was like, "Do you hear this? It's beautiful to me." Is I there anything like is there anything like you to with you that 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 takes I've you there cried a emotionally? Lot. I've cried a lot listening to music. Um, live twice. The first time I saw Bruce, I cried. Um, I can see that. And then the first when we opened for the Killers at Firefly, mm-hmm. we were side stage, and it was more than moments surrounding it. Um, Dana's favorite band is the Killers, mm. and my little brother was with me, 
and I got them both backstage at Firefly, and I took Dana to her favorite band, and after opening for them, got stand next to the stage, and they played um, "Read My Mind," which I think is just I love good driving American music, like just like yeah. songs of the underdog, fucking like the tales of that and. That happened and I cried. I fucking did. I whimpered. I was just like, this is incredible. This is one of the greatest moments of my life. Like standing here, there's fucking cannons going off, like all this shit. Um, but like, there's a lot of shit. Like if I really get into an album, yeah, I think of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy by Kanye West and the end part where uh, it's who will survive in America and lost in the lost in the world. That part, the way everything's constructed going that album, it makes me cry. Like, I, like there's a lot of music that makes me cry though. Yeah. As I've gotten older, I've I've gotten away from uh, the I can't cry thing. Yeah. Uh, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I cried for four straight days. I saw your post. <laughs> you called me, didn't you? I did. He called me, and he's like, hey, man, you guys did it. That's awesome. And I was like, we fucking did it. We did it. And he was like, I heard him go like, he's crying. Like, I think he was talking to Sarah sitting next to him. He's my crying. Mom, my mom called me. She was with my sister and my nieces. And she was like, Colin, we did it. And I was like, Mom, we fucking won. And she literally went, dude, he's fucking crying. Like, she looked at my sister and was like, he's fucking crying. But like. Busting so, your balls right busting there. Busting my balls. But like, it's it's to me, if I feel an emotional connection and I can get nostalgic about it. I love what you said about the opera thing. Because you don't even know what it's going on. But it's the power behind it. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. It's incredible. Ask me more questions. Ask me one more thing. I was thing. gonna say Joe. Uh, Joe, ask me a question. Oh man! <laughs> no, it's almost I like I asked Joe a question to ask me a question. Uh, Give me an. I'll answer anything. Um, I have no question. All right, I'm Trace, totally, I'm totally blank. Yeah. <laughs> I love when Joe in this box is like, "Oh fuck." How are the Eagles going to do this year? Uh, well, we're one three and one right now. Our division is absolute ass cheeks. Um. Carson's looking better. We're gonna get healthier. I think we finished six and ten or six nine and one, and we win the division at six nine and one, the worst winning team in the history of football, because our division is that bad. And Dak Prescott just broke his ankle in half. Mm. Uh, so the Cowboys suck. The Giants are absolutely atrocious. Uh, the Washington football team doesn't even have a fucking name. They're on their third string quarterback, and we have the most talent remaining. So I will say we will go six nine and one, set the record for the worst playoff team in the history of football, and lose in the first round. But win the division. Yes, win the division. Okay. And uh, that that's the hill that I will die on. Uh, gentlemen, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, yeah, me too. I, Thanks I love for you guys doing this. Very much. I yeah. wonder what the timeline. Like, I wonder how long this was. I don't know. I could tell you afterwards. All right, we'll find out afterwards. <laughs> Hour 40. Uh, I love you guys so much. Um, yeah, likewise. You dude. both mean a lot to me, and I want you to know that. Uh, we obviously wrote a song tonight, and I think we will write more songs before I head back to Philadelphia. But uh, Philadelphia, or I'm sorry, Nashville and you guys both have a very special place in my heart, and I wanted you to know that. Thank you, Kyle. Anything you'd like to say? We love you, too. No, it's great. It's always an adventure. Always. And it always should be. I keep. I feel like I keep Trace on his toes. <laughs> so, I, I like it. Yeah, I feel like there's always ninety things going on, and Trace is like, okay, like, it, like let's just do it. You never know. You never know. Never yeah. know what's gonna happen with me. <laughs> Even my man. We were talking about like, uh, like trying to like, when we work with people, like I feel like we do eighty million things, and it's like if you can keep up, keep up. And Trace has kept up, and it's a fucking miracle because I can barely keep up. So, um. For Joe Costa, for Trey Sasser, for myself, I want to say, fuck you guys. We love you.